0: Before we uh, move into the kingdom age this morning, I do want to do a little uh, finalizing as far as right after the tribulation. Before we get into the wonderful truths of the kingdom, I've entitled this though today, Thy Kingdom Come, Thy Kingdom Come. In our series, we've covered a lot of ground. Let me give you a quick review. Again, we'll look at our chart. Here we have the first coming of Christ. Jesus came, he lived his life, he died on the cross, he came back from the dead, and then he rose. When he rose from the grave, a few weeks later, he ascended to heaven, then started something that the Old Testament knew nothing about, Is called the church age, which is where we are living today. It's like a parenthesis in the plan of God for his people. All right, there are, God has a plan for his people It's 490 years long, the plan. 483 years of that plan have been fulfilled. They were fulfilled uh, when Christ died on the cross. Then what happened was it was put on hold and there are seven years left. Of that, which we call the tribulation period. So once the church goes out, right after that, or uh, it starts this tribulation period, or soon after that, starts a tribulation period. Seven years long, we call it the time of Jacob's trouble, the seven year tribulation period. There's a 70th week of Daniel. There's a lot of names for it. This is the period we're living in today. It will end with the rapture of the church. That's when Jesus is gonna come from heaven, and he is going to be in the sky, and he's going to call up all believers out of the world to be with him. It's going to happen in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The only ones who will see them are Christians. They're the only ones who will see them. The lost people will not see this. All they will see is a lot of people, millions, I believe, disappear from off the planet. And then on earth, there will be a seven-year tribulation period, and we've been spending a lot of time on that. At the end of that time, the second coming of Christ, we covered it last week. Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, we are going to be coming back with him because we will have been in heaven for seven years. And he's going to touch down on the Mount of Olives, defeat the armies of the world at Armageddon, the, the, uh, the, the final part of, of the campaign, the battle campaign of Armageddon. And then there will be something we didn't touch on much last week. It was called the judgment of the nations. I, I don't even know if I mentioned it. After that, though, we'll start the kingdom age. So we are going to cover this. Today, and then this thousand years when Jesus will literally rule and reign in person on earth, and it will be the most spectacular thing that the world has ever seen. So let's look at this. First, the judgment of the nations. There is going to be a judgment when Jesus comes back to earth after he has defeated the armies of the world. It is called the judgment of the nations, or we, some of us call it the judgment of the sheep and goats. The judgment of the sheep and goats. This judgment will separate the believers who are the sheep from the goats who are the lost. And the unbelievers will be taken away. They'll be taken off the earth at this judgment. They'll be judged and then they'll be taken away. And they will be cast into what we would have today. We would, I would call it the present Hell. Okay, technically it's the word Hades, but it's the present hell. It is as bad as hell has ever been. It is the present hell today. When unbelievers die and they go to suffer in hell, this is what we're talking about. This is the place where they will go. It is not the final hell. That is called the lake of fire. More about that in the future. Now, believers, believers, the sheep, they will be ushered into the kingdom age, which is a thousand years, and Jesus will rule and reign. But this judgment of the nations, Matthew 25, verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from his goats. Now, where do we get the idea that Jesus is going to rule and reign on this planet for a thousand years? Well, now I want you to go with me over to Revelation chapter 20, and we're going to spend most of our time here today. Revelation chapter 20, this kingdom age, okay, you just would not believe the different ideas that are out there today. There are people who are what's called amillennialists. As the late Dr. Curtis Hudson used to say, he says, these are the people who say, ah, there ain't no millennium, okay? (laughs) They don't believe that there is a literal 1,000-year rule and reign of Jesus on this planet. They don't believe it. And then there are those who uh, call call them post-millennialists, and they think that uh, Jesus is going to come back at the end of the 1,000 years. There are some people who actually believe that we are in the millennium today, okay? These people, they believe this. We're in the millennium today. When you look at what the scripture says today, I'll let you decide whether we're in the kingdom age or not. Hint, we're not, okay? And it should be obvious. But this is really gonna take place. Many years ago, I remember I was talking to a uh, dentist, and uh, he was Lutheran and uh, he was asking me, he knew I was a pastor and he was asking me, he says, now he was interested in the Bible. And he said, now this thing about, you, you know, you, you believe in a, do you believe really that Jesus is going to really rule and reign on the planet for a thousand years? I said, yes, I believe that. And I, he said, well, why do you believe that? And I said, well, that's what the Bible says. Okay, now folks, this is a simple one. This is a simple one. Now, I'm not saying uh, there was anything wrong with the man. What I'm saying, though, is this. Churches are not doing their job. They're not preaching the word of God. Because if anything is clear in scripture, it is that Jesus will literally rule and reign a thousand years. And you'll see this here in Revelation 20, verse one, it says, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him. How long? A thousand years. Now, why would you not believe that that means what it says? And cast him into the bottomless pit, the abyss. It's called the abyss, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more, till or until the what? Thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little season we'll talk more about that the next time we are in our series here so we see twice so far the thousand years are mentioned okay now let's go to verse four and i saw thrones and them that sat, and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them and i saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of jesus this is referring to the tribulation saints which were martyred for their faith and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ. How long a thousand years, but the rest of the dead. Now the dead here, it's in the context, it's referring to the wicked dead. In other words, Those who are lost at the judgment of the nations, okay, they will end up in hell. And it says here, the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years, there it is again, were finished. And then it says in verse five, the end, this is the first resurrection. Now, the way verse five is put together, it makes, you might say, what, I'm not, how do these things fit together? I had somebody email me with an attitude, I might say a few weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, it's, it's, it's too bad you hold to this pre-tribulational rapture stuff, because it's very clear that it says this is the first resurrection in, in Revelation 20 verse 5, and so the rapture doesn't take place till later, because this is the rapture, the first resurrection. Well, he doesn't understand what the first resurrection is, which I'll explain in just a second. But notice what it says in verse six, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death. The second death is going to be related to the dead who don't live again until the end of the millennium. And by the way, that takes place at the great white throne judgment. If you don't get it yet, you'll get it as the series goes on. Okay. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him again here. Here we go. How long? A thousand years. Now, now we see this over and over A thousand years, thousand years. Okay. There are many groups that don't believe in the thousand year reign of Christ as being literal, but why Not. It says it six times in verses 1 through 7. It says it six times. Chapter 20 begins with the word and. That means that it's a continuation of events. Now, if you cannot believe something so straightforward, then what do you believe? What can you believe? No, the language is clear. Thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years. People look at God and say, what are you saying? I said a thousand years. He means what he says. Now let's break this down. The first resurrection. And here's where some confusion comes in. What is the first resurrection? The first resurrection has to do with those who are resurrected to life eternal. The first resurrection is for all believers. Okay? It's just like the concept of when we say the day of the Lord. See, what people want to do is they don't understand there are some teachings in scripture that are like umbrellas they cover a big section of something and yet at times the focus of scripture is only on a certain part so what they see is they say well wait that's a contradiction because it's calling it this here and then it's here and then it's here so when is it and the answer is it's all of that the day of the lord is an example When the rapture takes place, the day of the Lord begins. Now, if you just read certain portions of Scripture, it looks like the day of the Lord is only the tribulation period. But the Bible never says that. The day of the Lord actually covers from the rapture all the way to the end of the millennium. It's all called the day of the Lord, that whole section. And yes, there are certain times when the day of the Lord, only certain sections of it are focused on. The first resurrection is that same exact idea. It has to do with those who are are resurrected to life eternal. Now, there are several points in time when believers are raised to eternal life in the Bible, but all would be considered the first resurrection. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're all included in that. Let me tell you what those are. The first one is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's four parts to the first resurrection the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secondly, there's the resurrection of the church, it's at the rapture. Three, there's the resurrection of the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. And fourth, there's the resurrection of the Old Testament and tribulation saints. Okay, Daniel chapter 12, by the way, talks about the first resurrection as well, or a resurrection, so to speak. So there's four parts to the first resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ, the church, the two, main, or the two witnesses of Revelation, and the Old Testament and Tribulation saints. All of that has to do with the first resurrection. So if you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, you are going to be part of the first resurrection. You're going to be part of that. You remember Jesus, by the way, is called the what? The first fruits in First Corinthians. He is the first part of that resurrection. So we see the first resurrection has to do with those who are resurrected to life eternal. The first resurrection is the resurrection for saved people. The second resurrection is the resurrection for lost people. Saved people, the first resurrection... Lost people, the second resurrection. Now, you notice in verse 6, it says, Blessed and holy that hath part in the first resurrection. Yeah, they're saved. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, what is the second death? Get this. This is so simple. The second death, it is what happens to unbelievers. Simply put, if you are born once, you are going to die twice. If you are born twice, born again, you can only die once. And if we get raptured, we won't experience death at all. Amen? Wouldn't that be great? I'm for that. I'm for that. And so if you are born Only once. In other words, you never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, the word death means separation. That's what the word death means. If you are only born once, you will die physically. That's separation of your body from your soul, from your spirit, or from your soul. If you're only born once, you'll not only die physically, separation of, of, of your body from your soul, But you will also die spiritually forever. In other words, die not in the sense of, oh, wait a minute, I'm dead now. No, in the sense of being separated from God forever. So one has to do with separation of the body from the soul. The other one has to do with separation from God for all eternity. Two deaths to those who are only born once. But if you're born again, if you're born again, You can only have one. We had two dear saints go home to be with the Lord this week. They'll never have the second death because they were born twice. What a wonderful thing to realize. Death is separation. If you die without being born again, you will die not only physically, but spiritually in the sense of being separated from God for all eternity. Now hold your place here and go with me to John chapter three. And when we talk about being born twice or being born again, All right. That term, of course, became very popular with our peanut president. Does anybody know who the peanut president was? Jimmy Carter, right? He talked about being born again. He's Southern Baptist being born again. Well, I hope he's born again. I really do. And me saying that, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying I hope he is. I want everybody to be born again. That's why we preach the gospel here. But Jesus, talking to Nicodemus, who was a lost Pharisee, he was a very law-abiding man as far as Mosaic law, but he was lost, he wasn't saved. And he was a ruler of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night. Jesus said in John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We're talking about the kingdom this morning. Lost people will not see the kingdom. Those who are alive, anybody up to that point, those who are alive during a tribulation period, if they die lost or if they come to the end of the kingdom and they're still lost, they will not see the kingdom. Or if they come to the end of the tribulation and they're lost, they will not see the kingdom. Jesus said, you have to be born again. Verse five, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I sent thee, except a man be born of water, that's physical birth, and the spirit, that's the new birth, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's closed to you if you're not saved. And then Jesus told him how to be born again in verse 16. Well, really the whole passage, but verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Nicodemus, that is how you are born again, by trusting in me as your savior. This is what Jesus was saying look up here, friend, let me explain this to you. Maybe you've never seen this before. Uh, You know, sometimes you think, well, everybody here today has seen this. Well, hopefully everybody here has seen it, but have you understood it? Have you believed it? Not only that, but you know, we've got a lot of, we get a lot of new viewers who may be watching over the internet. Friend, let me explain this to you. I want you to know how you can be born again. There's only one way this hand representing you and me, and we're going to let my wallet represent all the things we do wrong. God calls them sin. We're all sinners, every one of us, including me. Yet the Bible says God loves us. He hates our sin. You see, sin separates you from God. You are separated from God right now. To go to heaven, you have to be sinless, yet none of us are. And God says, because you've sinned, sin has to be paid for. The wages of sin is death. You'd be separated from God for all eternity. That's the second death, by the way. God loves us. He hates our sin. He wants us to go to be with him forever in heaven. But this sin has to be gone. And yet the Bible says there's nothing we could do of ourselves to get rid of it. You can't work it off. It's not like, you know, good works are not like applying compound W to a wart. You just do enough of it often enough. And, you know, and and one day the wart will go away. No, no, sin doesn't go away that way. Death is the only payment for sin. Bible tells us good works won't pay for sin. A death payment's the only one. Well, if we do it, we'll be separated from God for all eternity. But God so loved us, he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And when Jesus came into the world, he went to the cross to pay for our sin. He went, he took it upon himself. He made the complete payment for our sin. If he paid for it all, what's left? Nothing. And he rose from the grave to prove it. And he says, if you will believe or trust in him that he made that payment for you, he will give you as a gift everlasting life. Everlasting life. When you put your faith in Christ, you are born again. Now the word again is an interesting word. It doesn't just mean another time, a second time. It means literally from above. It's a spiritual birth. That's why he said, except a man be born of water, flesh, birth, and of the spirit. You have to have a spiritual birth. How do you get that? By faith in Jesus Christ. When you trust him as savior, the payment he made is good on your behalf. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. He gives you everlasting life. You go to heaven on what Jesus has done for you. Now, for those who trust Christ as savior, they'll never experience the second death. For those who don't trust Jesus Christ the Savior, they will experience the second death. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, you're part of the first resurrection. If you haven't trusted Christ the Savior, you're not part of the first resurrection. And so so incredibly important that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior. Now, what about life in the kingdom? Let's say you're saved, okay? Well, I got good news for you. As we saw last week, every believer of all time is going to be in the kingdom age. Every believer is going to be there according to scripture. So what exactly will it be like? Well, let's look at this. The first thing is this. The Lord Jesus Christ will rule the entire planet in righteousness without interference from Satan for 1,000 years. Now think about that. What this world is going to be like. You might say, oh, it's going to be glorious. There won't be any sin. Wait a minute. There will be sin. Wait, pastor, how's that? If the only people who, who enter the kingdom are saved people... And we're coming back and we won't have a sin nature, then how's that gonna work? Well, remember, the tribulation saints who go into the kingdom, they still have an old nature. And they're gonna have children. And those children are gonna be little born sinners. That's where sin's gonna come from. Oh, it'll be a lot better. But as time goes on, as time goes on, there's still gonna be sin in the kingdom age. It just won't be from the saints of all time who've been with the Lord. They're coming back and they won't have the old sin nature. Do you get it? I hope you understand how this works. And so the Lord, though, is going to, he's going to rule the planet in righteousness without any, any interference from Satan. So any sin that takes place during a kingdom age will be the product of the sin nature of believers. It won't be egged on by the temptation of Satan because he won't be working. It says in Revelation 20, verse three, and cast them into the bottomless pit and shut them up and set a seal upon them that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loose for a little season. Again, we'll talk about it next week. The bottomless pit is also called in scripture, the abyss. It is the home of demons. Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. It's referring to King Jesus. And he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I love that. The Prince of Peace. Don't you think it's amazing that the ungodly of this world, how much they hate Jesus, he's the only one that can bring peace into their lives, and yet they despise him. It shows you the perversion and the wickedness of man. Secondly, the Lord Jesus Christ will rule with a rod of iron and execute swift and effective justice. As a result, it will be a time of unprecedented peace on the earth. Why? Sin will not be allowed to get out of hand. That's why. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 11. The book of Isaiah has a lot to say about this kingdom age. Isaiah chapter 11, in verse 1, it says this, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. Sound familiar? Somebody smiting the world with the rod of his mouth. It's Jesus. who it's referring to. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Very streamlined legal system in the kingdom. Very streamlined. Nobody will be waiting to have their hearing for a long period of time. No, this will be quick. This will be quick. The rod of his mouth is the word of God. We have seen the similarities between this and Revelation 19. This means that the standard of law that will be used in the kingdom age is the one we are holding in our hands today. This will be it. What an ungodly world we live in when all the religious books of the world are allowed into our school system except this one. And this will be the one that will judge the world and it will remain forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. This is the standard. It's not majority rule. It's not even what the Supreme Court decides. It's what God decides. This will reign supreme. All judgment of the future will be based on what the Bible says. It won't be, well, according to the Constitution or according to our rewriting of the Constitution. It will be, thus saith the Lord. That will be the standard in the kingdom. Boy, what a breath of fresh air that will be. The Bible defines and then will again define what crime, sin, evil, perversion, unfairness, deceit, etc. are. God is the one who defines it. God's word will stand. That will be the final word. And no one will be able to argue a case against it. Nobody. Man, I'm looking forward to that. By the way, fake news will not last. Comes out of your mouth, you're lying. (sniffs) Who wants to be a reporter? Think Think I'll choose another profession. Let's move on. We who are believers will have places of authority in his government. Now we've already seen that here in Revelation chapter 20, but look at Revelation chapter 2. One of the promises to the overcomer, okay, it says in Revelation two twenty six, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. In other words, you're not only a saved person, but you're a you gain the victory as a believer. You keep God's works unto the end, okay. You're a faithful believer. This is a matter of reward. To him will I give power, authority over the nations, and he, that person, shall rule those nations with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. Jesus, the king, will delegate authority to believers who have lived faithful lives for him. And he'll say, okay, you are going to be over this providence Or you're going to be over this city. Or you're going to rule over here. I'm going to give you authority over these different areas and all that. You might say, well, how well will we do? I think we're going to do really quite well. We won't have sin natures. See, folks, people get the wrong idea of rewards. We just stop and we think of rewards as, okay, I got this crown on my head. No, it's more than that. A lot of the rewards that God gives are ways that we can show our love for him and express that in our service. Service to the Lord should be an act of worship. Am I right? Even today, our service to God should be an act of love and worship to him. And it will be that way in the future. I'll tell you what, when you think of what you do for Christ now as an act of worship out of love for him, it changes everything. Because nothing is a chore everything's a privilege. Let's move on. The Lord Jesus Christ will transform the world into a place of indescribable beauty for the curse that is on the planet now since the fall of man. The curse will be reversed. This will continue for 1,000 years. The world will turn into a vast garden of Eden. Amazing. Amazing. Romans 8.22 says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, but folks, one day that's going to be lifted. This includes longer lifespans for people. The late Dr. Henry Morris believed that the earth will be put into a state similar to that which existed before the flood. He said this would account for the incredible vegetation that will come. And I would say it's going to be greater than that because the curse is going to be lifted. Before the flood, there still was the curse from creation to the flood or from the fall of man to the flood. This is even going to be better. And it's going to be going on for a thousand years. Again, go back to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah 35 and verse 1. Look at this. These are millennial promises. This is what it's going to be like on this planet. Isaiah 35, one, the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. The Sahara desert, the desert out West in the U S it's going to blossom as a rose. Think of it. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. Isn't that interesting? Creation itself is going to sing I say, well, what does that mean? I don't know, but I just take it literally. You're a kook. You know what, friend? Believe what the Bible says unless you have a real reason not to. Unless you can't take it literally, take it literally. I think there's going to be sound because creation is going to be unbelievable. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Sounds good, doesn't it? Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with recompense, and he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Wow. The ears of the deaf. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. No more hearing aids. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, as a deer. And the tongue of the dumb or the one who can't speak. Look at this. The tongue of them will sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and the streams in the desert. I mean, it's just like, it's going to be amazing. Why? Why? King Jesus is going to be here. That's why. Verse 7, And the parched ground shall become a pool. Amazing. And the thirsty land, springs of water, in the habitation of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Not only is the plant, the vegetation, going to explode with life all over the planet, but let's move on. I love this next one. Kids love this next one. All animals will be tame, including those hostile to man today, such as a bear, a lion, a wolf, venomous snakes. And I added this one, sharks. I had to put them in. (laughs) In my study this week, this came to my mind. I thought, sharks, how cool it would be to ride jaws. Now think about that. (laughs) You pull up to a, a dock and... There he is with a smile on his face. <laughs> Hop on the back. <laughs> yeah, boy, hold on to his fin and off you go. It's going to be marvelous. Forget the dolphin. Go with a great white or a whale, right? Think about this. You might say, oh, you're being silly. I'm not being silly. You still in Isaiah? Look at chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Dwell with them, not just see them and eat them. That's today. We're not in the kingdom age, folks. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, with the goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. Man, what a day. And the cow and the bear shall feed and their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the sucking child, nursing child, shall play on the hole of an asp. That's a viper. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I just love that in verse nine. It will be an unbelievable time of wonder and blessing and prosperity, okay? Everywhere people will know and be talking about the Lord. That's what they're gonna be talking about. Won't that be refreshing instead of the weather? Or (laughs) COVID-19, They're going to be talking about the Lord. Everywhere you go, they're going to be talking about the Lord, how wonderful He is, what He is doing. Look at this world in which we live. Folks, the kingdom reign is going to be an awesome experience. And this next one I just love. You still in Isaiah go to chapter 2. The Lord Jesus Christ will personally teach His Word to mankind. He did it the first time He came. And he's going to do it the second time. The first time he came, he only did it for a little over three years. the second time he's going to be doing it for a thousand. Isaiah 2:2, 2, 2, "And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountains of the, Lord, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it, and many people shall go and say, "Come ye." And let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. It's referring to Jerusalem. To the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion... Shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, time of peace, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Wow. This is coming. And you know what's amazing? It's all based on faith in Christ. It's all there is to it. Okay. Let me ask you a question today. Will you be there? Are you going to be in the kingdom? You don't get there by works. You get there by Jesus Christ. When you trust in him as the one who died for your sins and rose from the grave, he gives you everlasting life. You go to heaven on what he has done It's not of works, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. Let me say today, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior, would you do that today? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much and God bless you.